Thank you, Shane. Good morning to everybody. Isn't it great to be here today, together to worship God, I'm telling you. And uh, appreciate everybody who might have filled in in uh, one way or another while I was gone over this last week. And my wife and I took a few days to be away, enjoy the mountains and the Black Hills. And uh, we are thankful to be back with our family here at Sunny Slope. Uh, I was given a prayer request uh, a little bit late uh, to get it into the announcements before our worship service began. The Benjamins, uh, Benjamin's cousin Jesse and his wife Olivia, they will be going in tomorrow, Monday, August 7th, to have their baby Luke by C-section, and it is still unknown what health issues he may have, so they are prepared to perform surgery immediately after birth if that proves to be necessary, and we're talking about on the little baby. We also are thankful for uh, report of good progress on the young little girl who is in Children's Hospital we've been praying for for some time now. She is uh, suffering from the brain concussion due to a car accident uh, recently and uh, she is showing good progress and they're thinking of taking the tube out this week I believe and so we're thankful for that. She was sitting up eating a pancake grandpa said you know this morning so that's great. Let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer in behalf of these two specifically. Father, we come to you at this time and we thank you for blessing us in so many ways. We thank you, Father, for blessing us with healing from all kinds of injuries, illnesses, situations in our lives. And we thank you for blessing us also when there are difficult situations that we have to face, uh, such as when families are dealing with little ones who may or are already ill or injured in some way. Father, we pray for whatever the situation might be. And we pray in a special way for the little girl at Children's. We pray that you will please bless her with complete healing. And we pray for complete, for, for complete uh, uh, recovery with no, no negative side effects or after effects, Father, we pray. And we pray, Father, also for Benjamin's uh, wife, Olivia, and the baby coming. We pray that everything will go excellently, that there will be no need for any surgery for the baby that everything will be just fine. That is our prayer, Father. You know what situation is, and we pray for your healing and guiding hands to be upon both of these little ones and for full restoration and full health, we pray. Be with the families, please, keep them safe, and please encourage, strengthen, and comfort them. We pray, please, and guide them in your will. And Father, we always, we always pray for souls. Please forgive us for our prayer, gracious Father. In Christ's name, amen. One of the brothers in the <clears throat> auditorium, you know, stopped me on after Bible class as I was going back uh, to, toward the back, and he stopped and said, you know, he was holding the outline of today's lesson on kindness. He said, I've never, I think he said in 70 years, I've never heard a sermon on kindness. I want to hear this. And <clears throat> I was thinking about that afterwards, and I was thinking about when I wrote this particular sermon and then going over it to get ready for, you know, to present it today, I was thinking, have I ever preached a sermon on kindness before? Now, I have a whole lot of my outlines listed in, you know, my computer. And so there's all kinds of there. I've got a whole lot of others I have not listed in there. But I pulled up <clears throat> all of those in my 
in my log on my computer and I was looking for something that, that kindness, be kind, I couldn't find anything. And certainly I preached the love of Christ. I've you know, preached how we ought to be good examples and so on. But specifically about kindness, I don't remember ever preaching a sermon just on kindness. Maybe back in some of those hard copy folders that I have not yet converted into my log by, by title, maybe there's one back there, I don't know. But it was rather striking to me what the brother said this morning. And then my trying to find, did I ever do this specifically just on kindness? And I, I couldn't find a sermon. Now maybe I overlooked a title someplace, and maybe I titled it somewhat differently, or probably I've talked about the kindness of God within a context of a given sermon someplace, but it was kind of a, a part of that sermon, but just focusing on kindness. That might really stop and, and or cause us to stop and think, what about our nation right now? What about our mindset as Christians within the Lord's church, the example that we're supposed to be, are we focused on kindness? Uh, certainly, when we look at our, our nation right now, our culture, we would see anything but kindness in a whole lot of settings. Now, is there still kindness exhibited? Sure there is. We're one of the, probably, probably the most benevolent nation on earth when it comes to trying to help people who are down and out. But at the same time, in somewhat of a, of a dichotomy, if you think about it, right now we are one of the most hateful nations, perhaps, on earth. Hatred is, is abundant and, and it just, we, we exhibit it everywhere, or we see it exhibited everywhere. If you don't agree with me, and especially when it comes to a cultural position or a political position, then you're to be hated. Now, somebody might say, well, I don't hate them, but others will be very open about it. You, you see some particular public figure who has stood up for the values of Christianity or whatever, and, and, or, or just morality, and, and the, the announcement is he or she has, has been diagnosed with terminal cancer, and you're liable to find on social media out there, people will come on and say, good, I hope they die. You see, that's hateful. And so we see hatred abounding in our, in our nation right now, but at the same time, we are probably the most benevolent nation on earth. Now, somewhere, those two, you know, are not congruent. Those two positions, those two realities, we need to put the hatred away, and we need to come back to kindness. Kindness focused properly. So, <clears throat> think about kindness. Kindness how do we define it? It's defined as being disposed to do good, an act of goodwill, being considerate, loving, and sympathetic. Now, when you stop and think about it, think about how, how much pain and heartache would be eliminated in our lives if everybody simply practiced kindness as a standard of living. They had that, that mindset in their, in their mind. Now, I'm not saying there are not some situations that we don't need to respond to in a very straightforward and, and even in some cases a confrontational way, but a confrontational way that we keep under control. We don't let anger abide. We don't let hatred develop. We certainly don't resort to, 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 to violence. But truth needs to be stood up for. 
because truth is truth and truth is going to set us free if we follow it and live by it according to what Jesus said in John 8 and verse 32. But think about how much pain, how much heartache, how many relationships would not fall apart, how many marriages would not end in divorce if we simply practice kindness as a standard of living. Now, this, this principle is true in relation to our society at large, our culture at large, but it's also true in relation to the church. Are we practicing kindness? Is that a standard of our Christianity as to how we think of each other, how we speak of each other, and how we speak to and treat each other? Is kindness there at the base? Practicing sincere kindness is going to make us better people and, and I underscore, and better Christians. Better Christians. We need to be kind people. We need to be kind Christians as well. We need to be kind to each other. And we need to exhibit kindness to the people around us because we certainly need to be that influence upon people. Think about how many times the Bible talks about kindness. I want us to use as something of a base text just what is, is laid out for us in Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 17. And here we read, they refuse to obey, but you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and look at this, abundant in kindness, and you did not forsake them. The first time I studied through the history of Israel, picking up with Genesis chapter one and then ultimately to the development of the nation of Israel in Exodus, and, and as they lived in Egypt and ultimately you know, fell under Egyptian bondage. And then as you see them transition from that, that slave people, basically, going into the promised land, fighting the battles, conquering the land, becoming you know, truly in identity God's people, but then slipping away quickly into un unfaithfulness, into disobedience to God, to worship idols and so on. And then you see that through Joshua and Judges, and you look into First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, and then when you look at the the minor and the major prophets later in the Old Testament, and you see such glaring examples of a people who were created, who were raised up to be the people of God, but they continued to struggle with faithfulness to God continued to struggle with all kinds of immorality and all kinds of sinfulness and wickedness. But, but God still gave them the opportunity to repent. You are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and did not forsake them. How many times have we known people in our lives who were family members perhaps, or maybe they, had, they were actually Christians. And then somewhere along the line, they slipped away. They went into unfaithfulness. They got into worldly living of all kinds or different kinds. And, and they, they became disassociated with the Lord's church. But then somewhere along the line, something happened, sparked their, their re-interest, their reeling, that, that they're, they're realizing, I need to get back right with God. And they came back. 
and we, generally speaking, I think we, we accept them, we welcome them with open arms, and that's exactly the way it should be, because God is ready to pardon. He's gracious, he's merciful, he's slow to anger, and abundant in kindness. And when God forgives, there's no more record of the sin in his mind. He forgives completely. If I understand what it, what it, that, that word remission of sins in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, if I understand that correctly in the Greek, it means basically wiping the slate clean. No more record of it. And then when we read scriptures that talk about how our sins will have been put away as far from the east as from the west, and they were like crimson, but now they're going to be made like snow, white as snow, purified. Again, no more record. God is a God of kindness, major characteristic of God, and we would not want it any other way. Now, do we emulate that godly kindness in our lives? We look at Psalm 117, beginning with verse 1. And the psalmist wrote, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples, for his merciful kindness is great toward us. And the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. And then Psalm 119 and verse 76. Let, I pray, your merciful kindness be for my comfort, according to your word to your servant. Are we ready to forgive? Are we ready to embrace? Are we ready to, to love as God is ready to forgive and embrace and love us through his merciful kindness? Or do we hold back somewhat? We need to be people of godly kindness. We can be forgiven because of God's merciful kindness. Joel chapter 2, beginning with verse 12. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. In other words, that was a sign of, of grief or maybe even repentance in some situations for the Jewish man to, rent, to tear his garments. God says, rend your heart and not your garments. Be sincere, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. It makes me think of what Peter wrote in, in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, that God is long-suffering toward us. That means patient, extremely patient. I believe God is more patient by nature than we are necessarily as human beings by a human nature. He's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And there is reflected in Joel chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. We look a little bit further, Luke chapter 6, verses 35 and 36. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your heavenly Father is also merciful. Kindness of God. Kindness of God. God's grace toward us is a product of his kindness. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 4. 
But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, that is, dead in our sins, before we were forgiven through Jesus Christ, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. A lot of times we really focus on making sure all the T's are crossed and all the I's are dotted, don't we? And we should focus on that. But we also need to focus on the love we should have for one another through kindness because God has been kind with us, kind to us. We're offered salvation through Jesus Christ because God is kind. In Titus chapter three, beginning with verse four, but when the kindness and the love of God, our savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. The kindness and the love of God is behind our forgiveness, our acceptance by God, our salvation, his offering us eternal life through Jesus Christ. Kindness is a characteristic also of the fruit of the Spirit, which we are supposed to develop and embody as Christians, as followers of God and of Jesus Christ a characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit. Did we realize that? We quote the verse many times, but do we really realize that kindness is right there within that list of the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians chapter five, beginning with verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. And look how Peter laid out for us that kindness is supposed to be a feature of our Christian faith. Second Peter chapter one, beginning with verse five, but also for this very reason, Peter wrote, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. And so all of these characteristics are to be embodied. We're supposed to work on those and develop all these characteristics within our faith. Now, all of these characteristics are just as important as all the rest of them. But kindness, brotherly kindness is right there. Brotherly kindness. We're to add that to our faith. That's to supposed to be a feature of our Christian faith. Kindness is also a standout quality, a standout quality of the highest form of love taught in the New Testament scriptures. And that's agape love. Agape love is not a love that is primarily driven by emotion. Although, as I read and study and some people talk about, it seems to come across some people talk about, 
There's no emotion in, in agape love. I, I, I don't believe that. I believe there's, there's, love has emotion, but agape love is not primarily driven by emotion. It is a love of, of determination. I'm going to love you, even if you're unlovable. I'm going to love you, even if you say you hate me, I'm still going to love you. I made up my mind to love you. That's agape love. And, and it's a love that abides even in the face of all kinds of unloving characteristics of an individual. And you say, well, who, who would that be? How about your children sometimes? Don't they act out of turn? Don't they act ugly at times, the old Southern expression? What about a friend or in some cases even spouses? You talk about how they can be mean to one another in some situations. Kindness needs to prevail. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4, one of the characteristics of this kind of love that Paul brings out, and he brings out a whole bunch of different characteristics or qualities of this kind of love, the highest love taught in the New Testament. He says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. I've told the story many times. I don't know if it's just a preacher's parable or if it really was true. But the story about the, the woman, she and her husband had been married for a long time and they're not getting along. And she comes and talks to the preacher and says, is there any way I can divorce him? And the preacher said, don't divorce him now. Wait a year from now. You set the date. And between now and then, you kill him with kindness. You do everything good for him. You talk to him. You tell him you love him. You have his slippers ready when he sits down in the evening to maybe relax and watch TV. You make his best, his favorite meals. You do everything that he likes. And then, a year from now, you'll really crush him when you tell him you're going to divorce him. And so, the year went by and sometime after that, and finally, the preacher came, he, he came to her, he said, are you ready to divorce your wife now? Or your husband now? And she said, divorce him? Never. He is so loving. He is so kind to me. I would never divorce him. Why did the husband change? Because the wife changed with kindness. And her kindness brought out kindness from her spouse. And it goes that way back and forth, doesn't it? If you want to have two, two, if you want to have two spouses who are at each other all the time, just let them be at each other all the time. One at the other one. The other one will respond in kind. But if you have two spouses, a husband and a wife, if they'll be kind, and it can be simply initiated by one toward the other, will not give up on kindness toward his spouse or her spouse. The other spouse will return, reciprocate in turn, being kind back. And they'll go closer together, their love will become deeper. Love is that kind of standout quality. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, the apostle Paul wrote, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. And he's talking to the church here. 
our brothers and sisters in Christ. We look at Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Kindness. God is kind toward us. We need to be kind toward each other and especially toward our family in Christ, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, think about what the wise man wrote in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 22. What is desired in a man is kindness, kindness. And a poor man is better than a liar. Kindness is a desired trait within mankind. Don't you enjoy being around somebody, being friends with somebody, working for somebody who is just seems like he's naturally kind or she is naturally kind? And isn't that a contrast between being with somebody, working for somebody who is exactly the opposite? who is kind of a cutthroat, who is always on the verge of anger, putting somebody down, cursing somebody because they've made a little mistake here or there. Kindness is a trait that is desired in mankind. The scriptures tell us. Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 10, think about a virtuous wife. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her, her, her worth is above rubies. And then verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Now we could say the same thing about a virtuous husband, couldn't we? The principle is there, but kindness is central. It is key. We come back to, to, to that basic point of, of this particular study. God is the God of kindness. In fact, God is the standard of kindness. We can be thankful that God is the ultimate example of kindness. And again, we would not want it any other way. So when maybe we find ourselves hyper-judgmental against somebody else, particularly another brother or sister in Christ, we probably ought to step back and think, wait a minute, would I want God to look at me that way? I want God's kindness. We need to be kind to all those around us as we can be, and particularly to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, Nehemiah 7, 9 and verse 17, they refused to obey, and the Israelites certainly refused to obey, but how many other people in the world right now refusing to obey? But is God saying, you know, you've refused to obey. I'm going to have nothing else to do with you. If they will come to repentance, God will welcome them with open arms because he's kind. They refuse to obey, but you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant. Get that word abundant in kindness and did not forsake them did not forsake them. Now let me ask you this. What if God 
were not abundant in kindness? Think about that particular reality in relation to each one of us personally and individually. What if God were not abundant in kindness? Do you still think, do you think he'd still be ready to pardon? Do you think he'd still be gracious and merciful? Do you think he'd still be slow to anger? Do you think he'd still be ready to grant us salvation and eternal life with him in heaven? If he were not the God, the standard of kindness? Oh, how we need God's kindness continually. And think about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. Let your light, he's talking to ultimately those who would become Christians. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Letting the light of godly kindness shine through our Christian lives is a powerful way that we can and should influence others to glorify God as they see godly kindness in us. Are you ready to respond to God's kindness extended toward you in obedience to his will, to his teachings? 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2, for he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. My wife and I heard about an elderly lady just this past week, I believe it was. Her family was getting ready to celebrate her 100th birthday. And shortly before that birthday hit the calendar, she became very ill and died. You see, we don't know how many days we have ahead of us in our physical lives, but now is the day of salvation. If you really want to turn to the kindness of God for forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ, he sent his son to die on that cross on your behalf to pay the price for the guilt of your sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3 and verse 16, God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Are you ready to take advantage of God's kindness offered toward you and to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins? Born again, John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. Are you ready to respond? Acts 22 and verse 16, an enemy of Jesus Christ, a former enemy, a former enemy of the church and persecutor of the church, Saul of Tarsus, came to understand the error of his way. The Lord sent a Christian man named Ananias to teach him the gospel. And he came to Saul and he said, why? Are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. God 
will give you full forgiveness through Jesus Christ because he's kind. His kindness is exhibited in his mercy, exhibited in his grace, exhibited in his forgiveness, exhibited in the salvation he offers us and the eternal life. If you need to study some more, we'll study with you if you'll ask us. If you need the prayers of the church, we're here, we're ready to pray with you and for you right now. If you need to come, won't you come? Take advantage of God's kindness as we stand together and sing.